I'm Annie Fox. And I'm Laurel Pinson. And this is Workwives, conversations at your desk with the woman who knows you best. The first job I had, I got on August 11, 1996. I celebrate the anniversary every year. Take myself out on a date. What? It was my first publishing job. I worked at like a community newspaper. Ah. Yeah. Community magazine called Stars and Spikes. Stars and Spikes. Do you get it? It was 96, Beb. I did CD reviews and um, I got to, instead of giving things like a certain amount of stars out of five, they were cycloptic smiley faces. Oh. So it was like five cycloptic smiley faces for Ben Folds Five. Whatever and ever, amen. (laughs) It was a good album. It It was a great album. How about you? What was your first one? My first job was like a summer job, which I feel like a lot of people have. Um, and it was working in a store. This <laughs> so funny. <I> was working <laughs> in a, just Your face about, is great. It was just so like the kind of job that you get where it's like, oh, that's cute. You have a job. You know, like I worked in this store, which was open like probably 12 to 5, you know. <laughs> yep, yep. And I worked like Tuesdays and Thursdays or something. But because it was a summer job, you know, I was like, clear the decks. Those are the days I don't go to the beach. You know, mm-hmm. I was very declarative about it. I was like, guys, I can't hang out on Thursday because of my job. Like I was so into having the job. Um, and I just ran, like manned this boutique, you know, that got three to four people a day that you know, is a, a very chic boutique. first job and i don't think i made very much at this i'm sure i made like an hourly wage that i was like souped about it was probably like 50 bucks a week this chick was probably like i've got it made i'm like <laughs> handing over my store to this girl who takes it so seriously i'm paying her like 50 dollars a week i'd actually do i don't even remember what i got paid um but what i remember most specifically about the experience was that i got to decide what music we played in the oh. store which to a young person like that kind of control it was like t- it was like you know when people ask for ownership like i just feel like i want to own something you know as part of my career like i the weight of that responsibility i took so seriously you know it was usually gypsy king i was <laughs> the malaya oh yeah <laughs> did you intern Yes. I actually interned um, at Condé Nast, which is yes. funny. And um, only just now I've got a full-time job. just now I've got a full-time job. It worked out, guys. Welcome. Welcome. It work out for you. From intern to editorial director, yeah, just like that. work out for you. Um, so I interned at Vogue, where I learned everything I know. No, I'm kidding. Not everything. Um, but Vogue at the time was, was and is a really well-oiled machine when it came to publishing. So it was actually just a good – it was a great place to be to watch things move – like to sort of show how something should operate like a creative enterprise should operate you know obviously Anna Winter's brilliant you know Grace Coddington's brilliant like there were lots of brilliant people that worked there but they were also sort of decisive like they would collaborate together and then make decisions and then move things along um but I actually worked outside the managing editor's office um and so I saw a ton of people come and go like anybody who was getting a new contract anybody who was interviewing for a job a ton of people came in and out of the managing editor's office Um, and it's where I learned what to me would be the true symbol of success like it's how I would know that I'd made it Um, which was that anybody who came into the managing editor's office and when they left you know the managing editor would say one of a few things you know she would say hey Laurel you know can you show this person out that was nice you know, she'd say, hey, you know, Laurel, can you get this person's card? I want to make sure I follow up with them. And you'd be like, oh, okay, more important person. That's nice. But the people that you knew were big shots. 
is when she would open the door and say, Laurel, can you call this person a car? Woo-hoo. Like, obviously, it's on us to make sure you are transported appropriately to your next destination. And so for me, in my mind, like, I will know that I've made it in life when I'm leaving a place and someone says, can I call you a car? Wow. So classy. That's really classy. So, well, that's money. I knew for a long time that I wanted to get into publishing. Um, so, you know, I'd been doing it in some form since I was 16 and then got the internship while I was still in university and then went into full-time work because I got offered the job. Um, so you're like my husband who actually went to school for magazines. I like did. I know no one who went to school for the thing that they now do. When I actually went over to – so the, the job I got offered was in Sydney – and I was living in Melbourne. Um, and I just m- told my mom I got the job before I did because I didn't want her to freak out that I was moving without any money and moving mm. without a job. So I was mm. like, don't worry, they're totally paying me. It's going to be great. I'm going to be totally be able to afford this life. And I had no money. And, did, you know, I just was ill-prepared for the world of magazine publishing at that time. And maybe it was that very specific place. Um, and I hadn't been wrapped up in the pop culture around it yet. And maybe it was before kind of there was this, you know, a lot of the sort of pop culture tropes around what working in women's magazines would be mm. like maybe. It was mm-hmm. 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. But it was bizarre. Like the, the you know, meeting the, the editor-in-chief type persona and interacting with editor-in-chiefs and just the power that they had and the, and the dynamic between an assistant and an editor-in-chief. And you'd hear the stories about like a certain editor-in-chief. There was one, for example, who like was so busy that she could only really have walking, like walking meetings with her own staff, particularly if you were like not senior staff, you were sort of just midweight staff or someone that was sort of important, but not important enough to have a sit down one. You'd have these walking meetings with her and you would just be prepared to just walk wherever you had to walk and just then you'd just come back apparently. And sometimes you would like be led into a restroom, you know, you'd have to stand outside a door while she peed, whatever. I mean, not great, but whatever. Um, and then other times apparently there's this one time where um, an editorial assistant person that I know um, was, you know, led down the elevator, led out of the building, got into a car, rode in the car. All whilst still, still having, the, having meeting. the meeting. And then got out of the car and was just left was dropped off was just dropped off well this is um, done yep we're done and she, so she just had to find her way back oh to my the god office, which sounds so ridiculous but i guess at the time you're like how could that ever happen why would you ever let that happen especially as a young person i feel like i accepted so many weird things as yeah, fact and then later sort of went what that was weird that was weird but you're like, yeah, no, of course I'm still having this meeting with you. You're still telling me important things. I'm coming along. And then you're like, fuck, I'm on the side of a freeway like an idiot. Why didn't I just say, we'll pick this up tomorrow? Before yeah. Before I got into the Well, because we? she's I'm, everything exactly, and you're exactly. nothing. Work is like a game where, you know, the whole time you're trying to figure out how to get to a point where you feel like you know as much as all the other players. At the game, like when you're the new person at your first job, you know nothing which is terrifying. But all the things that you don't know actually aren't the things that are the most important to know. Like the things that are important to know is like what makes a good story, you know, if you're working in editorial or what's exciting to you, like is this thing interesting? But all the stuff that you don't know are like the mechanics of how a story gets done where you're like, I don't know where the bathroom is or I don't know where the mail room is or like if I have to return this handbag, how do I get it back there? And do I need to ask for a receipt? And asking questions and having to look like you don't know is so weirdly embarrassing. 
Like, why? Obviously, you don't know. Like, you're an assistant that they just hired. They know that you had no formal job experience before this. And yet you still want to look like... Because I, I think it's part it of it is that you don't want to be work for anyone. Like, you are terrified because everyone's looking so busy. They're so stressed out. They've got things to do. You don't want to be the person that has to put your hand up and say, stop that thing you're doing. I'm sure it's really important. But I have a question about how the printer works. Like, yeah. it's printing, but I can't scan. <laughs> Can you scan with Can this you one? scan with this one? Is it a scanner? Well, I remember one of the jobs that I was working in back in when like being a digital editor meant that you were also IT. Yes. You know what I mean? So maybe like w- were you listen. also webmaster? Oh yeah, webmaster. <laughs> they'd be like, "Listen, I know you're like the digital editor and I'm not really sure what that means, but I'm having trouble logging into my <laughs> yes. Facebook account." What I was going to say is I feel like I feel like all work is is just this slow acceptance of A, how to ask for help without coming off like an idiot, and B, starting to get to the point where you appreciate that everybody is just as lost as you are and everybody's sort of making it up as they go along, but it's just a game of how well you're making it up. Like totally. I'll look around in some big meetings with incredibly high honcho people, like serious players, you know, and I'll be looking at them and just thinking, you made that completely up on the spot like you have yeah. you but then you're not like totally sure you. yeah but i was like but it sounded great so we decided to recruit somebody who has certainly a more varied background than two chicks in publishing um but also i would argue a more enticing job than either of the ones that we have certainly maybe a little more exciting she is both uh on real housewives of beverly hills and she is a pop star i mean geez that's, <laughs> already this sounds like a lot better than us we are of course talking about erica girardi so we asked our colleague, Anna Maisline, to sit down with Erica and chat a little bit about her work history. So I'm a little nervous right now because I, you are my favorite housewife. Oh, like, that's sweet, honey. Thank you. I am ride or die for you. Really? <laughs> yes. I appreciate yes. the support. So I'm so excited to get to talk to you. Perfect. Um, and I was telling them that Everyone in the office, when I told them you were coming in, freaked out. Oh, wow. That's cool. Thank you. That's nice to hear. Yeah. I know that you have talked on the show before about you have a a very rich backstory. Yeah. Uh, First jobs. Well, some of my first jobs were in the entertainment industry, just um, doing plays and commercials and stuff as a kid. Um, I worked in the retail business. Uh, You know, I've had the job at the mall. and I wasn't very good. And then I was also a cocktail waitress, you know, which I was good at. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that was an easier clientele to chat up, if you will. Sure. You know, people having fun as opposed to bitches trying on clothes that do not look good on them and me having to s- politely say, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you need a larger size. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, you know what the truth is? I like to work. Mm-hmm. So, and if you love what you do, you never yeah. work a day in your life. What was your first <clears throat> job ever? like? My first job routine? ever, I think, was a commercial as a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like the first paycheck like I mm-hmm. ever got. Yes, like a local commercial. Do you remember it. doing it? I do. <clears throat> it was like some type of anti-drug message or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you – did your parents get you involved with that or were you just a very like – show kid well i started performing on the coffee table at three and (laughs) my mother put me in theater you know Mm -hmm. children's theater and dance class and it Mm -hmm. just never really stopped from there yeah Yeah. um so what kind of jobs you talked about working in retail was that it was terrible for me yeah i just was yeah i was at the mall and i just was never um good at it you know (laughs) i just was never really i was never really good at it i didn't like folding clothes and and you know 
um, while I like clothes, I don't want to fold them. <laughs> kind of wild, I know. Do you have any sort <clears throat> of horror stories of like the worst day or? Well, the worst the day worst was every thing. day because it was long and kind of boring. Yeah. But um, horror stories wise, like cocktailing or something like that, that was, you know, clients having meltdowns on you or people being really mean because, you know, I worked in Beverly Hills. So uh, people could get a little bossy. I mean, just kind of smile and, and, and make it work. Mm hmm. I do uh, a lot of that now, smile and make it work. <laughs> Seems to be a, a thing. Yeah, I say Real Housewives, that's a skill that would still Yeah, apply. that serves you well. Smile yeah. and make it work, yes. Have you ever been fired? I don't think so. I can't remember being fired. I can remember quitting but not being fired. No. Did you ever quit in an epic way or with bad terms? No, anywhere? I don't think so. I don't think anybody ever. I've never been a fighter like that. I've never fought with management or fought mm -hmm. with, you know, my superiors. No. Yeah, it's always just time to move I on. I mean, there's still time. I mean, I probably could get in a fight with someone that, you know, my boss now, maybe, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, you know, anything's possible. Um, so tell me about sort of some of your first auditions. and Some were great. Some were bad. Some were terrible. Yeah. Some were boring. Some were, you know, you, sometimes you met great people, especially when I moved here to New York City and I was 18 years old and I was auditioning for lots of different people. Uh, just like I said, some days were great and some projects were lovely. Some casting directors were awful. Some people had no personality and it's very difficult for you as a performer to get into your job when you're not getting anything back. Have you ever had to fire anybody? Yeah. <laughs> I fired an assistant once. I left her in a hotel room asleep. She oh missed God. the call and I got on the fucking bus and I said, we're leaving. And if any of you pick up the phone and call her and tell her to get her ass down here, you're fired too. I don't play around. Wow. I do not play around. Had lobby call was lobby call. We all had a show. I could tell that some people were feeling it a little bit more than others. It was right after Christmas. And I was leaving at a certain time. And if you weren't down there, damn it, you were fired. And she didn't make it. So she flew home from L.A. <laughs> we went on to <laughs> Sarasota. And she went back to L.A., baby. Did you hear from her after that? No, I did not. So she just... She, she knew. knew. Yeah. yeah. Listen, hey, you know what? Mm -hmm. Time is money. So when you're hiring people, what qualities do you look I for? I need a workhorse. Yeah. Are you talking about my inner circle? Or yeah. are you talking about people that are just performing? Like, let's say if we're doing a video, let's say we're doing a music video. Yeah. All I care about is that you show up on time and you hit the steps and then you leave and you wear the costume I ask you to wear and you wear it well and you perform your ass off. I don't care about that. If you're going to be in my inner circle of people, you have to be able to work 24 hours a day and not complain and uh, have a lot of fun and keep your mouth shut and have fun and, mm -hmm. you know, do your job. Besides keeping your mouth shut, like, is there any other, like, questions you ask when you're hiring? Or? No, because it's very close. There's, like, four people and yeah. nobody leaves. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's blood in, blood out in my yeah. circle, baby. Let me tell you. you yeah. No one leaves. Yeah. It's like family. Your career now, you've talked a bit on the show before now <clears> how <throat> it's, like, so cool to do what you've always, what your passion is. Sure, of course. Now, what is that? feel like for you uh, having worked so hard to get to this point well like, I mean what? you can imagine you know I think that the road for any artist or for anyone that dreams big is is wonderful and to actually see those things you know it's like you plant all these seeds and then to watch them bloom is a whole nother level of satisfaction so to yeah. watch those things actually happening every day's Christmas I want to go back to your days waitressing yeah. because that's how you met your husband. That's right. Tom was a customer of mine for a year before we ever 
went out. Uh, and the great part about that was that I got to know Tom on so many different levels. The way he treated not only myself, the wait staff, but um, his friends and people in his firm and, and referring attorneys and his children. And, you know, so I got to know the man over a whole year and, and watched him. We had a friendship. Mm-hmm. And so when we started dating, there really was no getting to know one, one another because we really knew one another. Right. And we were friends. Did you have any tips or learn anything? Like, other As people, a child? Yeah. Like what? You have to be on time. You need to look people in the eye. You need to shake their hand and you need to become a little adult right away. The other day yeah. I did a um, talk show with um, Susan Lucci mm-hmm. and there are these two children that were on the show. She was a guest. I was a guest. And there were these two children that are on the show and... God, they couldn't have been 10. They walked up to me immediately. Hello, my name is Mm da-da-da. And stuck their hand out. And I just remember, like, looking at them thinking, wow, I did the same thing when I was was your age. And, you know, these are two children, a boy and a girl, growing up on set in Los Angeles. And this is their life. I feel like those are all skills that make you a good worker. Yeah. I think even on Real Housewives. Even on Real Housewives. Okay, you want to talk Real Housewives. I can tell. Let's go. Um, Enough retail. (sighs) Enough old jobs in oh the my 80s. Gosh. Go ahead. What do you want to ask? Um, tell me, ugh, just tell me like the worst about it. Well, let me like, ask, let, let me turn this. Hold sure. on. What do you think the worst is about it? See, because when you ask that question, that means that you've thought of this. So what is the worst for you? What are you thinking as a viewer? Because dealing, I'm in it. So you tell me as a viewer what you're thinking. Dealing with big personalities. So what's wrong with that? I, I am to- a massive personality. I'm like one of the most obnoxious people around. So how do I feel about dealing with other obnoxious people? I'm right yes. at home. <laughs> I just want to know because you carry yourself on the show in such a way where you don't get messy with it the way other women how- do. Yes. Okay. How do you how, like because how? that's my nature. That's just my human nature. My human nature is not to act that way. It's not that, you know, Listen, you can force a situation, yeah. you can watch a situation, or you can participate in the way, you know, in a measured way that you feel comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. And I say what I need to say when I need to say it. I defend myself when I have to. And then I give my opinion. You don't have to go looking for trouble. You don't have to go looking for drama on this job. It will yeah. eventually show up. You need that difference of opinion and that difference of personality in order for an ensemble show to work like that. That's why the audience is entertained. If everyone was the same, then you Mm -hmm. wouldn't have anything happening. And people need to have their favorite girl. Certain people love that Rena says outrageous things. Other people love, you know, Lisa Vanderpump's ponies and her whole story. And other people love that Eileen is so, you know... um, steadfast and sure and other people love the fact that I'm over the top and and, and a lot of fun Mm -hmm. so you need that all of those yeah make the palette and make the cast yeah if you had a bunch of like you know everybody was the same nobody would be watching this thing I feel like I'd have such a hard time with the not feeling like attacked or yeah but that's part of life you have to get over that very quickly you know you have to if you sign up for the show you know you have to be willing to uh feel like shit a lot of times you know or or have things said about you to your face behind your back that perhaps are not kind but Mm -hmm. that is rolling with the punches keeping it in perspective and um yeah that's the game of housewives game of thrones game of housewives i mean that's just kind of the way it goes um, oh, yeah. Do you have a work wife? I have work husbands. Yeah. Look at them. Well, yeah, I get that. My wives, I guess they're gay. 
(laughs) Do I have a work wife? My work wife would be Lyle, my assistant, and then I have like five work husbands. (laughs) I hear snickering (laughs) in the back. See, they're here with me right now. I'm telling you. Tell me about those relationships. How do you you keep it fresh? How do you keep it fresh? (laughs) Tequila. Tequila. (laughs) You know what's cool about like my relationship with Jack and my relationship with Mikey and – is that in Preston and Clyde and, you know, others is that they are on this incredible ride with me and they believed in me when no one else did. So, and I don't want to cry, but for all of us to be on this great ride together is what keeps it fresh. Quite honestly, that's like to be here today and to be on the show and to watch the growth of the Eric Jane project and to watch everything that's happening is so satisfying every day that that's, I think that that's the glue that keeps us together. say my favorite part of that interview was uh the discussion about her her work husbands mm-hmm. i mean obviously her work wife but also her work husbands and how they quote unquote keep it fresh how do they slash how do we keep it fresh it made me think about how we keep it fresh i mean you I gotta mean, it's fresh as fuck right now i'll tell you this thing is like <laughs> fresh. glad bagged fresh glad how but you know you're you're domestic partners of a sort you gotta yeah. keep it. You gotta, fr- keep, gotta it keep it fresh. Gotta surprise each other. Gotta check in. Little gifts. I mean, as you know, mine is snacks. Oh, appreciate. I think I'm like think surprise scone. Work Wives is produced by Ben Riskin and Acast. Our associate producer, Kateri Benjamin, keeps the ship afloat. And we have production support from the whole staff at Glamour, including Anna Maysline, Lizzie Logan, and Simone Kitchens. And we're recorded right here at Condé Nast Studio in NYC. Hold up. 